The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're on a teleconference with our co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, who's reporting on-site at his college dormitory room. And we had a very exciting week of NFL football. Spencer, lead us off. Well, Bruce, it's always great to be back on Bruce the Sports Doc. And this is probably my favorite time of the week, breaking down Sunday's activities in the National Football League. And we had quite a great slate of games on Sunday. And really some telling and interesting measuring stick types games that were on Sunday. And the premier game that I first want to get to talking about is the battle that was at Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are 7-2 and two going into Green Bay and were in first place in the NFC East, while Green Bay was at 6-3 and three and was actually on the outside looking in. And Bruce, going into the football game, what did you expect coming from Aaron Rodgers versus the Philadelphia Eagles and Chip Kelly? What did you expect coming into the game? Well, I, w- I guess my expectations were tempered with hope in that I was hoping that it would be an epic battle. I was hoping it would be a high-scoring game and that the Eagles could actually hang with the Packers. And I thought that Mark Sanchez, based on his performance in Carolina, which was a very dominant performance without any turnovers, I was hoping that the team would at least hang in. But what I saw was was quite different in actually what occurred. Spencer, how, how do you size up the action? Well, the, the way that I size up the action is that Green Bay has a terrific offense, and Aaron Rodgers is really a special player. I mean, that guy, when he throws the football, I don't think there's a more talented arm thrower in the National Football League than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he can put it wherever he wants. He utilizes uh, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb very effectively, including the tight end Corliss. And with Aaron Rodgers, when he's performing at Lambeau Field in his element, you have to throw him off of his game and off of the timing that he has with these receivers. And the bottom line is that the Eagles were not getting to Aaron Rodgers, and that's what all their success has been predicated on this year, is getting a push with their front four and pressuring 
the quarterback and not letting guys sit back there and have an opportunity to pick them apart. And uh, Connor Barwin, Vinny Curry, um, and and, uh, Trent Cole in that group has done a good job of putting pressure on the quarterback. And you saw on Monday night versus Carolina is Cam Newton back there got sacked nine times and was under duress the entire game. So with Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the National Football League and maybe one of the most talented of all time, if you're going to let him sit back there and have four to five seconds to throw the football, he's going to pick you apart. And that's exactly what I thought happened with the defense, is that they just allowed A-Rod to get into a rhythm, and they did not hit him at all. It just looked like he was playing catch out in the backyard. Yeah, I agree with you. It's amazing that the elements were such that it actually snowed the night before. They actually cleared out the field, and there was some snow during the game. And if you look at Mark Sanchez, he was really inaccurate. He um, had a couple interceptions. <clears throat> he was missing people by 20 yards. It looks like he was playing in a, in a freezer. But, but Aaron Rodgers... It looked like he was playing in a 70-degree dome. Um, one touchdown pass, just just an outside shoulder pass to, uh, to Jordy, um, what's his last name? Nelson. To Jordy Nelson. Just a thing of beauty. And he, like you said, he used Cobb. He used Lacey out of the backfield. And in the beginning of the game, Aaron Rodgers didn't even make any pretense about running the ball. He started off the game in a shotgun. He picked apart the Eagles defensive backs. I thought Fletcher had a horrible game. Kerry Williams was, you know, wasn't playing, you know, wasn't playing well. Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins had a poor game. And really from top to bottom, I don't, I don't pin this loss on Sanchez, but we could look at the offensive line. I I looked at, you know, looked at some film today and everybody, but Jason Peters really had a bad, a bad game. They got beaten on every aspect even the special teams, the punter didn't pin it in. He only averaged like 15 yards a punt. They they let they let up a uh, a punt return, and the game was really a blowout. So the question is, what what kind of team are the Eagles? There's virtually every team will get blown out once on the road during a season, and how will they come back against Tennessee? They're playing at home. It's a very winnable game. Spencer, what are your thoughts next week against the Tennessee Titans? I'm watching Tennessee right now versus Pittsburgh, and with Zach Mettenberger, he's actually getting a lot of time to throw the football in. The defensive and offensive line of Tennessee has really come to play, but if you think about it, I mean, it's a Monday night football game in Tennessee versus Pittsburgh, so if they can't get up for that game, I don't know what game they're going to get up for this season. So uh, I still expect the Eagles under Mark Sanchez to be able to handle Tennessee by about 10 points. Uh, but, but probably no more than that because Tennessee, Tennessee's a dark horse contender to come into the link and actually win that football game. And the Eagles, if they don't get pressure on Mettenberger, I mean, he actually could throw the ball on Philly. The, the thing that really was surprising is that you looked at the Eagles and they were 7-2 and two and they rolled Carolina and their only two losses with Nick Foles in there, they could have easily been wins if they just converted on the goal line. Arizona and San Francisco and to see them go and just get absolutely blistered yesterday in Green Bay was just shocking to me because I really thought this Eagles team had the potential to be a Super Bowl contender 
and now they're just going to be a team that's going to be fortunate to get into the playoffs. So uh, that's definitely they definitely took a step back in terms of my respect because when the Giants beat Green Bay a couple years ago, they had that front four of Jason Pierre-Paul, OCU Minura, and Justin Tuck that were able to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And I looked at the Eagles' pass rush all year, and even versus Carson Palmer and versus Colin Kaepernick, the pass rush was there. But yesterday, they just got absolutely beat down by Green Bay. And that's very, um, that, that's definitely some red flags as they go through the rest of the schedule. They have Seattle and they have Dallas twice. The Eagles need to at least get to 10 and 6 to have a shot at a wild card spot. Well, I want to look, talk a bit about the AFC matchup that I thought was the premier matchup. And it was Tom Brady and the New England Patriots going in to play the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Lux had a heck of a year. And it looks like it was time that Brady, Grodkowski, Belichick and the boys, looks like they exer- exerted their dominance in the AFC. Spence, we watched that game together, and I wanted to hear, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Patriots are the number one team in the AFC? I definitely do, because Andrew Luck had a rough go of it all night. He was, he was getting hit a lot. He threw two interceptions, and Rob Gronkowski is coming back to midseason form. I mean, this guy is a flat-out monster. He actually laid a block out on a guy last night. I don't know if you saw this, but if you remember the movie The Blind Side, the guy in The Blind Side blocked an opposing player off the field. Rob Gronkowski blocked a guy literally into the pylon and into a cameraman off the, off the field. So Rob Gronk is an absolute beast right now. And looking at New England with Edelman uh, and uh, their deep friend, Brandon LaFell, this New England team is definitely the top team in the AFC because they handled Denver easily. And I don't see any team that can go into Foxborough and beat them. The Colts were far, far outmatched last night by New England. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a real chance for the Patriots to really exert themselves. Andrew Luck was really frustrated. That second half, uh, Brady using pinpoint accuracy. And that team, what it's rolling, is certainly a team that is, is difficult to be reckoned with. And imagining playing, if, if they had a whole advantage, that is, for another team to come into New England and beat them there, I, I just don't think the Broncos could do it. From what I saw last night, I don't believe the Colts are, would be able to do that either. We're coming to the end of a... Patriots running back was able to have four rushing touchdowns last night. Stephon Ridley, their starter, ended up getting hurt early on during the season, but it's really a running back by committee there. And it's unbelievable how the Patriots can plug in guys and just get unbelievable production. And in Foxborough, in those conditions, they're the best team right now in football, and they have been the most consistent all year long. Well, we're just coming to the end of the first segment. We've got a lot of exciting things to talk about. We want to thank the listeners for tuning in. And a lot more NFL Roundup coming up in three minutes.
Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce's Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm a sports medicine doctor practicing right here in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. If you're within the sound of my voice, well, you probably can't come see me, but if you're near the tri-state area, come see us. Call us at 610-521-6063. That's again, operators standing on duty 24-7, wall-to-wall. 610-521-6063. If you have any problems with sports medicine, headaches, neck or back problems, please see us. I want to thank Ray Ellis, our esteemed sports director of voiceamerica.com. Right down the line, President Jeff Spinard, uh, speaking for Spencer and myself, we're really glad to, to have the opportunity to reach the listeners and get right back to breaking down the NFL, getting into the second half of the season. Spencer. Let's talk about your beloved New York Giants as they took on the San Francisco football Niners. Yeah, Bruce, it's, uh, it's great to be talking about some more football, but unfortunately the New York Giants season is over already. 
November 16th, 2014, the next two months, pretty much, of football are irrelevant for the New York Giants. Their, their ultimate team goal, their ultimate prize of trying to win a world championship, that can no longer be upheld. And it's impossible for the Giants to now win a Super Bowl and go into the playoffs because they are now three wins and seven losses. So the last couple of seasons, the Giants have gone 0-6, and now they are 3-7. and And it's very disappointing, and it's very depressing for New York Giants fans that they now can't cheer for a team in December and have any meaningful football left. And the reason is, is that the Giants haven't gotten any help from the NFL. I mean, they've had the, the toughest schedule in the league two straight years. Last year, they played six straight playoff opponents, including Denver, Kansas City, Carolina, at Dallas, Philly at home, and then at the Chicago Bears. I mean, they just got blistered with their schedule. It was just not fair. And then this year, the last four quarterbacks they've played have been Nick Foles, Andrew Luck. Yesterday, they played Colin Kaepernick and Tony Romo. And this New York Giants team has just, they haven't had any softies. They haven't had any cupcakes. And the first two weeks, they played Detroit and Arizona, the top two seeds in the NFC. So if you look at the Giants' schedule, they haven't had any opportunities to gain confidence. And in this league, you just simply need to win football games and then you will really take take shape as a football team. You look at the Eagles, you look at Dallas, even the Arizona Cardinals have had a very favorable schedule. And one of these days I'd like to analyze and put the Eagles in the Giants' shoes and see what their record would look like. Because even though the Giants have some winnable games coming down the stretch, and even though they might get to 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, it's not going to be worth anything down the line. So I look at the Giants as having a really difficult schedule, and that's why they have really a poor record this year. And then I look at their offensive line, a patchwork offensive line, and just an inability to run the football, putting too much of a burden on Eli Manning to single-handedly carry that offense. And he's not the type of quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning that could throw the ball 40 times and be effective in a football game. Well, certainly um, it was a disappointing loss. I look at the New York Giants. I see an offensive line that's banged up. I see uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as an, as a rising star, but I, I generally don't see a lot of talent on the outside. Larry Donnell had a nice play yesterday, but I just I just don't see that dominating Giants defense anymore. And even at home, I don't I don't see that as big a home field advantage. Uh, Obviously, not blaming the crowd. You know, we, we looked at the game, and it was it was a low-scoring, kind of a boring game to watch. Colin Kaepernick did just enough to win. And uh, like you say, you know, I think the reason they give the Giants such a hard schedule is because the Giants are in a gigantic market of New York. They want them to play interesting opponents. They get tremendous ratings, and I think the NFL is, is largely driven by ratings. I'd like I'd like to flip over to what I believe to be the upset of the day, and this looked like a total mismatch. Uh, Denver Broncos going into St. Louis, and St. Louis winning. And Jeff Fisher, always a head coach 
who's capable of stunning accomplishments while he's never won a Super Bowl, and certainly people point that out. St. Louis uh, really forced Denver, Peyton Manning. That was one of the worst games I've seen Peyton Manning play. He was just, he was just off, uh, two interceptions. Spencer, what, what's your breakdown of, of that particular game? And get, let's get to the core. How, how did St. Louis beat Denver? Denver because they really have an elite defense and off the edge they were really hounding Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning if you look at his intangibles I honestly think Zach Mettenberger has better has better intangibles as a quarterback than Peyton Manning not in terms of reading a defense but I think so many guys I'd say 70 percent of the league has a stronger arm and it's faster than Peyton Manning You've watched Peyton Manning the last couple of years after neck surgery. His arm has never been the same. He throws wobblers, and most of the plays that they make are yards after catch. It's not him just placing the ball perfectly, or it's him not throwing with velocity that can't be matched of those by the Staffords and the Ryans of the world. And you look at St. Louis in the NFC West, they have a great defense. And the problem is, Bruce, with the Rams is that they don't have a starting quarterback, and Trey Mason is finally emerging as a running back that they really need in St. Louis. Trey Mason is a guy that was drafted much later in the draft than we expected in the third round out of Auburn last year. He led that Cinderella team to a national championship game appearance, and now Trey Mason he acquired over 120 yards on the ground yesterday. He's really stepping up and filling that void that Zach Stacy left in the St. Louis backfield this season. And Sean Hill is a veteran that's proven himself as a solid backup in this league, and he was able to come in and make some big-time first to Kenny Britt yesterday. St. Louis has a wonderful defense there again. They, again, got a raw deal from the NFL. If you look at St. Louis' schedule, it's insane. They've had no easy games. They've had no games where they can just walk out of bed and win a football game. And it's really sad for St. Louis that they play in such a tough division because they really are a fantastic defensive football team. And if they had decent play from a quarterback, they could have made a run at the playoffs this year but their schedule is just too difficult. Well, I guess the the flip side of that would be the division with the Atlanta Falcons. Literally, I believe the Central Division, the Atlanta Falcons are 4-6. They have a losing record, and right now they sit atop their division. And if the season was over now, the Falcons would likely host a game against the wildcard team. And that's really crazy how you could, you know, you look at this disparity in the playoff uh, format and imagine that the division leader always has uh, a better chance, you know, has a statistical better chance of of hosting a game than the wildcard teams. And I think people are talking about seeding it differently, whereas they would seed it by record and not by the, the would not necessarily give the winners of the division the uh, the upper hand. Spencer, what are your thoughts on, on that? I actually would understand if the wild cards could have a better could could have home field. I, I definitely agree with that because as a wild card, if you're ten and six or eleven and five and and you're and you're getting hosted 
or you have to then travel into the home of the 7-9 football team, you should reward the regular season champion. Or you should reward the team with a better regular season record. I don't think I'd be opposed to that. The only problem is, is that it really makes division races much more competitive in the NFL, though. And it puts a lot of emphasis on beating teams twice in your division. And it somehow can build up rivalry in the NFL because the division is so vital. But here's a question for you, Bruce. Looking at the NFC standings right now, how wild would this be? Look at Arizona, 9-2, and two, but had a very soft and easy schedule, has a good secondary, but a very mediocre offense, in my opinion. An okay running back, a quarterback that is not playoff ready in Drew Stanton. How would you, I would love to see Arizona versus uh, the, the Saints in the playoffs. Because I do think that Arizona going into New Orleans would lose. And I also think Detroit. At 7-3, and three, right now in the second seed in the NFC, is also a team that is a lot worse than the record indicates. I would have both of them losing at New Orleans, and I bet that Vegas would too. And you said that Atlanta would host a playoff game. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, that's still not an easy cakewalk into the Georgia Dome. So... Ironically, do you think the NFC South has a chance to win a, a playoff game if it's either New Orleans or Atlanta? And especially if Dallas comes in there. Bruce, what do you think about the prospects of the NFC South getting to the divisional round and winning that playoff game? Well, briefly, because we're coming to the near break, I believe that the Superdome is a tremendous advantage for the Saints. They're obviously four and six, really not having a good year. If if I if I was uh, picking the game, Dallas going into New Orleans, I think that I would pick New Orleans. I do think that Atlanta tends to come up small in the playoffs, and I would pick Dallas in that. Well, we're near the end of this uh, second segment. There's a lot of exciting things happening in college football as we head to the BCS to the Final Four. So. Everybody stay tuned. Thanks for listening. It's Bruce's Sports Talk. Stay right there. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys 
trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we want to say thanks for tuning in to VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Sports. I'm here remotely with Special Wizard Grossinger, and we're going to go right into his wheelhouse with college football. Things are getting exciting. We saw a nail-biter. Florida State, again, fell well behind in Miami, Miami Hurricanes, interstate rivals, and Jameis Winston did it again. He pulled out a second-half win as they remain undefeated and beat the Hurricanes 30-26. to Spencer, first I'd like to hear your opinions about the game, breaking it down, Jameis Winston, and then we're going to back it off a bit and talk about the 14 BCS playoff schedule and who you're picking as we head on to another few weeks of exciting matchups. Absolutely. First off, I want to say that the atmosphere in Coral Gables, Florida, or technically Miami at Sun Life Stadium, was a fantastic atmosphere for a college football game. The fans and the University of Miami put on a show. And Brad Kaya the freshman quarterback of Miami, who started over Jake Heaps this year, won the quarterback battle, really has these Hurricanes playing well. Storm Johnson didn't even have a tremendous football game like he usually does, but Brad Kaya carried this offense and made some timely throws in the first half. Uh, Al Golden, uh, he really called an aggressive first half. And then the second second half, I think Miami started to feel the pressure and the implications of the game a little bit. Uh, their kicker missed a 25-yard field goal. An extra point was not executed properly. So Miami definitely made their fair share of mistakes and timely errors. But Jameis Winston is a type of guy that is very rare to see in any kind of sport. I mean, this guy has the whole world uh, pretty much – staring right at him, you know, the whole world of college football, uh, even even fans more spread out than college football because he has 
the rape allegation over his head right now and the sexual assault thing in Tallahassee. He had an incident with crab legs this summer. He also said some profane words at a school student union. The bottom line is that Winston is probably the most hated player in the past 10 years in college football. And the guy goes out there, and when he's playing football, he has this magic ability of focusing just on the football game and forgetting everything outside. He can silence the mind. And in the second half, he loves when all the chips are down, when all the pressure's on him. I mean, he rises to the top in the most fortunate situations. And uh, he's one of the clutchest athletes that we have in the world today. You saw him drive his team down to win the national championship last year. I mean, this guy just loves playing football. He even said football is his sanctuary. And he's one of the rare players like Tim Tebow that thrives off a hostile road environment. So this guy's kind of like an unflappable player on the football field. And it's amazing how he tunes out all the media and everything swirling around his character. Agreed. Breaking news. Splash right across the headlines. Apropos to your last comment. The hearing for Jabez Woodson has again been postponed. And it's been delayed to December 2nd. And this is supposedly due to scheduling conflicts. And this hearing will be determining whether he violated the student conduct uh, conduct code. Again, there was no criminal um, allegations or indictments. And this will be a retired Supreme Court justice, Major Harding, will actually hear, hear the case and determine what, if any, punishment will come down. And this could, it could literally go from soup to nuts, either from just a written reprimand, verbal reprimand, to literally having him getting expelled from school. So this is a high drama. It's amazing that the young man could, could focus on playing football. But as you said, when he's between the lines, it's, it's probably a safe haven. Let, let's go to... Uh, let's... I do have a question about Winston. If the case is December 2nd, the result would... When would the result of the case be? Would he still be able to play games into mid-January? Nobody knows the answer. This is uncharted waters. Uh, I, I presume that they would make a, a fairly rapid decision, and it's unclear to me whether, given all that's gone down, all the analysis, whether it would be fair. I mean, I, I don't know any of the particulars about the case, so I... Can't comment any further, but at this point, the trajectory of the situation is that Winston will continue to play most likely and continue to battle for a chance in the national championship. I, I know there's been some talk about the, uh, the veracity of the witness and whether this is a compelling case. Obviously, they did not choose to, to prosecute this as a case, <clears throat> and it's it's really hard to speculate the particulars, but it's unusual. I don't really recall something like this really, you know, looming over the BCS championship. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about other teams. Talked about Oregon Ducks. They have a loss, but yet they've got a really good strength of schedule. And right now they're they're right up there in the top four. This is a team with a lot of offense. Mariota is, I think 
a very polished college quarterback, playing his senior year. The Ducks always have a great offense, hurry-up style, you know, medium defense, not great. And uh, Spencer, give us your uh, your view of the Ducks. Do you think they'll be uh, at, the, at the finish line in the top four? I think that Oregon will be there this year because I think that Oregon will beat uh, they'll, they'll beat Oregon State. They'll beat the remaining teams on their schedule, and they'll go into the Pac-12 championship game, and they'll be able to beat Arizona State. I believe that Arizona State's offense isn't potent enough to hang with Oregon in that championship game, and I think Oregon has the easiest road. All they have to do is take care of two more games, uh, including Oregon State, which isn't having a particularly great season, and I do look at Oregon running the table and winning the Pac-12 championship and getting into the BCS playoff game in Dallas. Well, it, it then it, we have to hark it to certain teams that have uh, have fallen out of the uh, playoff race or at least on the edge. Tell us about TCU. They're they're certainly on the bubble. Uh, do you think they have a chance to to make the top four? I really like TCU a whole lot. I mean, they demolished Kansas State. They dropped 82 on Texas A&M. This is a team with, with Green at running back, Aaron Green from San Antonio, Texas, with Trayvon Boykin, who is a converted wide receiver to quarterback. He's electric out there. And this team, TCU, has talent on both sides of the ball. They can really rush the passer. But Trayvon Boykin... I mean, this guy is one of the most athletic players in all of college football. And and with Aaron Green and this rushing attack under Gary Patterson, their defense, they just have a really complete team. And they went, they went to Lawrence. Lawrence. You know, they went to Kansas this weekend. Kansas had nothing to play for. This was their Super Bowl. And they took the Jayhawks lightly. And they still managed to get out of there with a win. And you look at what they did in West Virginia – they were struggling the whole game. It was pouring rain in Morgantown that day. The weather was absolutely miserable. It wasn't at all like Fort Worth weather. And the Horned Frogs were able to go in there, trailing by 10 in the fourth quarter to Clint Trickett in West Virginia and pull out a win. And Baylor, Baylor lost in Morgantown. And then you look at Baylor, TCU had that beat. They were up 21 in the fourth quarter. Baylor had a miraculous comeback where TCU secondary just just stopped playing football in the fourth quarter and let Baylor come back. So right now it's either Baylor or TCU. But honestly, the eye test tells me with Trayvon Boykin and Aaron Green and this offense, I think the Horned Frogs would beat Baylor on a neutral field because they had them in Waco. And, and if not for a disastrous fourth quarter, TCU would have won that football game and would have been undefeated. So it will be sad if TCU can't get into the Final Four because I do think they'll put up more of a fight representing the Big 12 in Texas than the Baylor Bears. Well, we're coming rapidly to the end of this third segment. Everybody who's listening, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about the most promising treatment in sports medicine. Stay right there.
Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the second segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I practice sports medicine and neurology in the Philadelphia area. We have offices in Ridley Park and in Wilmington, Delaware, and soon to open an exciting office between Greenville and Hocassa, Delaware. In this segment, we're going to talk about PRP which is called platelet-rich plasma therapy. The question I have for the listeners is, what do Heinz Ward, Troy Palomato, 
Kobe Bryant and Tiger Woods have in common? The answer is that all of these famous athletes, as well as hundreds of recreational athletes and about 20 professional soccer players, have undergone a new emerging treatment, which is called platelet-rich plasma therapy. I'll be referring to this as PRP. This technique involves injecting portions of a patient's own blood directly into an injured area, either into the tendon, into the joint, or the muscles. And this technique's this technique, I should say, appears to help regenerate ligament intended fibers, essentially shortening rehab time and at times preventing surgery, but all too familiar recently is the utilization of PRP during surgery, that is, during joint surgery to reduce the time for rehabilitation and to get the athlete back to the playing field. Let's talk about some of the examples in the field of sports, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of what exactly is PRP and what does it do. We warn you that at times this might be rather scientific and detailed, but as your host, we'll try to break it down for you. There's a Dr. Ella Tracci who's the Los Angeles Dodgers team physician, and he performed this PRP surgery on the torn ulnar collateral ligament in the throwing elbow of Takashi Sato. If the ulnar surgery would have been undertaken, Mr. Sato's season would have been over. The rehab would have been 10 to 14 months. Instead, He returned to pitch in September without pain. So as doctors, what we do is we spin it out the patient's blood in something called a centrifuge. What we do is we concentrate the best and most important healing parts of the blood. That is the platelets and the growth factors. And we remove other parts of the blood, such as the red cells and white cells. We inject exactly where blood would not go. That is, we deliver the healing to the inside of joints or to tendons. Now, one thing last week you recall, we talked about Achilles tendon injuries. And why is the rehab so slow? Why is the recovery slow? It's because there's such a poor blood supply to the Achilles tendon. So just the way we are built, the way the human body is laid out, the tendons receive a poor blood supply. Therefore, the healing parts of the blood, the platelets and the growth factors, don't get into the area. So what this PRP does is it places a small amount of the patient's blood, maybe a teaspoon or two at most, and this is directly injected into the damaged areas. It appears that there is little chance for rejection or allergic reaction because the substance means that you're actually injecting blood from the patient's own body. In medicine, we call this autologous. Further, the procedure takes about 20 minutes, and there's a far less chance for infection, and this is an injection rather than a surgery. Let's look at the cost 
of surgery, orthopedic surgery versus the cost of PRP. An average orthopedic surgery surgery costs between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. That's for anesthesia, surgery, operating room time, equipment, and the PRP typically costs anywhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars. So the advantage of PRP potentially obviating a need for surgery, cost effective, and less chance for infection, bleeding, and other side effects of surgery. You recall there was some controversy when Tiger Woods had his knee surgery and underwent PRP to accelerate his recovery. So people made erroneous claims that this was somehow uh, essentially a synthetic performance-enhancing drugs drug like uh, like steroids or human growth factor, excuse me, or uh, HCG. However, let's be clear. The PRP does not enhance performance, and it only treats a local injury and therefore should not be subject to any prohibitions. Many review articles that are emerging are suggesting that more and more professional athletes and recreational athletes are going to receive PRP. And this has been documented by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery. And there's also links in the literature to the American Academy of Physical Medicine Rehabilitation, as well as the American Academy of Pain Management. As a neurologist, there is an explosion of usually small and somewhat anecdotal studies relating to PRP. And what needs to be done, as with all emerging what we call nascent treatments, is for there to be a well-controlled study, randomized controlled study, with a large enough database to yield statistically significant data as to the efficacy of PRP and the exact conditions which it should be utilized. Let's take a look at a few notable athletes who've undergone PRP. Cliff Lee, when he's played for the Texas Rangers, had a series of abdominal strains and felt that the PRP accelerated his healing process. Steelers wide receiver Heinz Ward had the procedure of PRP in his knee, injected right into his synovium of his knee following the AFC Championship. He returned two weeks later and played in the Super Bowl. I think it really helped me, Heinz told the New York Times. The injury that I had was a severe injury, maybe a four- or six-week injury. I don't think anyone with a grade 2 MCL sprain gets back that fast. So here's a case where Heinz Ward believed that the PRP was helpful. Golfer Scott Verplank had the treatment in an injured left elbow and saw equivocal results. It did produce the results he was looking for, but it didn't worsen him at all. The New York Hospital, NYU for Joint Diseases, studied 30 amateur athletes, and roughly 60% of the amateur athletes 
by Dr. Dennis Cardone, C-A-R-D-O-N-E, Cardone, believed that they improved and the doctor concurred. So in the field of medicine, 60% benefit is pretty good. So let's get down to the basic science. Why do we inject the platelets? Well, the platelets are the primary source of bioactive tissue growth factors, a whole whole host of them. And to list them, connective tissue growth factor, platelet-derived growth factor, TGF beta, epidermal growth factor, insulin growth factor, basic fibroblast, excuse me, fibroblast growth factor, not easy to say while you're whistling and eating crackers, and also vascular endothelial growth factors. Together, these compounds control and regulate the natural healing, and it's thought to accelerate the tissue repair processes. So this is thought to improve and rebuild the joint cartilage and strengthen injured ligaments and tendon. tendons. This new collagen is naturally incorporated directly into your existing cartilage and ligaments. One of the downsides is that, like any new therapy, which isn't dirt cheap, the insurance companies typically balk at paying for them. They have to wait till compelling evidence emerges. So if you're a candidate for PRP, you're probably going to have to foot the bill yourself. The good news is, it probably won't hurt you. It's your own blood. And if you can afford it, your doctor recommends it, it might be worth a try to go for PRP. It's fairly non-invasive. So, let's summarize. PRP is a technique where components of your own blood are injected into certain tissues, either the tendons or the cartilage, in thumbs, knees, or hips. Very popular for non-surgical repair of rotator cuff tears and particularly degenerative tears, just with aging. Well, there's a lot of attention on professional athletes who have received this treatment. It's thought that the average weekend warrior would be a great candidate for this. There's a whole host of conditions, overuse syndromes, sports injuries, arthritic joints, partial tears of the rotator cuffs and uh, particular muscles and tendons around the elbow, such as the ulnar collateral ligaments, are being treated aggressively with PRP. In the upcoming week, I'll be personally attending a direct in-service on PRP, where I'll be looking at the exact equipment and assessing the particulars of PRP, as well as looking and doing a review of the PRP literature. So this is something we're certainly going to keep our eyes on. Stay tuned. Segments three and four will offer a detailed analysis of week seven of the NFL season, as well as an update on the World Series. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in three minutes. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.